0: Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father, you brought us through the first half of the first month of this new year. And we stand here at the beginning of the second half, looking unto you. With open ears, Lord, an open heart, continue to speak to us, continue to Remove everything in our minds, in our lives that doesn't agree with your word. For you have exalted your word, you have magnified your word above all your name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not a dot from your word. Your word says the world and its desires are passing away. But he who does the will of God will live forever. And your will, oh Father, is revealed through your word. So speak to us once again. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We continue where we stopped on Sunday. Uh, when we're building our lives, the eternal part of our life, the temporary part of our life and the eternal should become one. And that's the life to which... We are called the life of faith, and uh, there are building blocks, the initial or the fundamental building blocks. And we saw the first two uh, in detail on Sunday. The first, which will continue through life, we, we need to. It's the first two blocks will never change, even today. If you hear something that is new to you but true to the Word of God, immediately the first two blocks kick in: repentance from that dead work and faith towards God. And uh, because all through life, we are growing, and we are working it out, as Philippians 2.12 says, we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Remember, the uh, Wednesday study especially, the study of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit continuously leads us to the truth. And we need to have the courage, the boldness to put away old, received ideas. Reject it. Doesn't matter how long we held on to it. And through whom it came to us. If we realize that it is not true. In the light of God's word. And we reject it. Often it may mean losing people in our life who are still bound to those ideas. They may misunderstand you and me, but we are not rejecting people. We are rejecting ideas which are bound with people. And sometimes a wrong idea is bound with the right person. But when we reject the wrong idea, the person becomes takes it personally. So when God is telling Abraham to leave his father, Terah, God is not rejecting his father. He's is rejecting the idea that is bound with terror. Okay, so you have to understand what it means. But people may misunderstand. People may think we are rejecting them. But we are not rejecting them. We are rejecting the idea they are bound with. And that's actually who they are. Because as a man thinks, so he is. So we also are rejecting ideas and replacing it with the word of God. So the third block, we will look at the third block in a different kind of way today. We go back to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. We come to the foundation of a Christian's life, a believer's life. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary foundational principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Okay, If your foundation is strong, then only you can go to perfection. And you're called to be perfect because God says be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Not laying again the foundation, and we saw, what is the first one, of repentance from dead works. Every work which doesn't agree with the word of God and not empowered by the spirit of God, whether good, bad, or ugly, are all dead in God's eyes. That's why he calls not our bad deeds, but our righteousness as filthy. We understand our unrighteousness as filthy, but God in his Bible says our righteousness is filthy by before God because it's not empowered by his spirit. So foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. One we turn away from, that's not enough. Like we said on Sunday, every religion, even atheists have repentance. But life comes when we turn towards the living God, towards Jesus Christ, faith, towards God. And the third one is the doctrine of baptisms. The third one is the doctrine of baptisms. Remember, Bible is very clear. It uses the plural term, baptisms. And for today, we won't look at various kinds of baptisms in the Bible. We look at the two important baptisms. One is the baptism in water and the second is the baptism in spirit. I'm not giving you a baptism class. We are looking at it in a completely different light, the spiritual aspect of it, okay? If you look at these two important ones, the baptism in water and then the baptism in spirit, that is not a hard and fast order that this is the only way it can take place. First, you get baptized in water, then you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, there's no such hard and fast order, Primarily, it usually happens that way. But, I believe, if you're very weak in faith, God may baptize you in the Spirit first, so that you receive strength, and then allow you to be baptized in water. Because baptism in water is a very public thing, for which you need strength. While baptism in the Spirit is a very personal thing, like uh we had our watch, uh, not watching an all-night prayer last week, right? Last week. And uh, without anybody realizing, somebody got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Nobody even realized. It was a personal thing. You don't need. You can be a public, but can be a very personal experience too. So one is a personal experience. The other is a public. You are publicly making. So sometimes people don't have the conviction or the strength to make a public. So God baptizes them first, first in the Spirit because you may need strength first before you can make a break because baptism in water is a break so you will see the order in first corinthians chapter 10 and verse 2 when the children of israel were coming out all were baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea so you see there the cloud representing Symbolically representing the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the cloud is represented first, and the water next. So you will see when they come out of Egypt, first you see they are led by the cloud and brought to the rivers uh, to to the Red Sea. Okay, you will see this again in the New Testament, Acts chapter ten, if you like, when the gospel is going now to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. The Gentiles you will see in Cornelius' house, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Not a single one of them had been baptized in water. They heard the word. They believed God baptized the Gentiles first in the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we? So it's not a hard and fast rule. You cannot say, no, 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 you cannot get baptized in the spirit first. You need to get baptized in water because God doesn't have that order necessarily. So you will see two places primarily in the Bible where you have the spirit baptism taking place before the water baptism. But in most cases, what I have seen is the water baptism taking place first, followed or sometimes immediately with the spirit baptism. Okay, so remember this. Keep this in mind. Because the water baptism, symbolically, it's a clean break from the world of Egypt. The world of ideas. Remember, ideologies drive this world. The Water baptism, when you go under the water and when you come up, it's a clean break from that world. That is why God led them to the Red Sea. And took them through the water. Okay? There are many things you and I need to die to. Many things we need to die to. And after that, we will need incredible power if we have to walk in the truth as we receive it. So you have the baptism in water and the baptism in the spirit. Both, remember, you need both. Let me begin with a couple of premises. First, Christians. Okay, we are only talking about Christians. Christians broadly fall into two groups. One who believe in the church The others who believe in the word. The church is supposed to be one with the word. If the church and the word, it's like the fifth pillar, okay? The church is the pillar of truth. If the church and the word becomes one, there is no issue whether you believe in the word or you believe in the church. But broadly, it doesn't happen that way. So Christians can be divided broadly, not equal parts, but two groups. One who believe in the church and those who believe in the word of God. Okay? In the first group... Those who believe in the church, the word doesn't have so much prominence. Okay? Tradition takes over. And tradition has enormous power over, over people. Because it is connected to your society, your Christian society to which you belong. You can call denomination if you want. And the culture in which you grew up. So in Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, look at Jesus talking about. The scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, yeah, can I have verse 2 also? I think it's 2 also is there, yeah. And he's, you got it? Yeah. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They're not saying you're not doing according to the word. Okay? They're not saying it is written. They cannot point one scripture by which they can pin the disciples of Jesus. But they're saying we have a tradition. You're breaking that tradition. They don't wash their hands before they eat. Never in the Bible, even in the book of Leviticus, God has said you should wash your hands before you eat. You can do it different way these days you carry that little stuff in your bottle. But that wouldn't fit to the Pharisees. He says, no, 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 that's not the tradition of our fathers. And if you, grow, if you grow up in a very um, rural, like some of the tribes in Bhutan and all, they don't wash their hands, they don't use sanitizer also. When they're sitting to eat their rice, first they take a handful of rice and they clean their hands nicely with the rice and then throw it away. And actually it takes off all the dirt in your hands. So that is the tradition they have received. Okay? Tradition. Before they eat, tradition can be very, very powerful, received, can be more powerful than the word. So now they are taking our tradition and questioning the very living word of God. He is the living word. Understand the power of tradition, okay? Verses 7 and 9. Hypocrites, Jesus is calling them. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in when they worship me, teaching has doctrines, the commandments of men. So you're putting across as doctrine, doctrine has to be from God, as the traditions of men. You're teaching the traditions of men as doctrine. You need to have traditional people who are bound by a tradition, religious tradition, any, any religion tradition. They can be extremely zealous too. Very, very zealous. Very, very zealous. In Matthew 23, Jesus talks about them. 13 to 15. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go into it. He said you shut up. How do you shut it? With your traditions. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Hypocrites, for you devour of widows' houses, for a pretence make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. And verse 15, Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one prophecy light. You need to look at the zeal. The zeal. All religious groups have missionaries. Muslims have, Hindus have, Catholics have. Every very zealous Very sacrificial, but no life. So don't mistake zeal for truth. God says you are incredibly You will travel across the seas in those days. Not even these days. Those days, land and sea, to make one convert, one proselyte, one convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. What have you made him? You made him just like him. No life, no truth. You just converted him to your tradition. It's one of the fundamental things all this whole of last year into all these different places, countries I went. I've been questioning them. Have you changed religion? Or are you born again? Because I tell, honestly, many, many new this, uh, Christians in many nations, new ones with all these fancy dances and songs and prosperity gospel. I said, you just changed your religion. You have not come to the knowledge of truth. You just change your religion. Because life is evident. No? So we have to understand tradition, what Jesus is talking about. okay? Because traditional people are very connected to their tradition and the church, denomination, religious order, whatever, and they will fight for that and kill for that. Yeah? But God is not talking about that. God is talking about life that comes from the word. You are born again by the word. Then comes those who hear the word and are saved or getting saved or think they are saved. What happens with that group is that if the real word comes in, immediately one group will come and bring the law in. The law. Before you know, they are under the ceremonial law. Now we are not talking about the law which gives life. We are talking about they bring regulations. That's what happened to the church in Galatia. But the problem is if you come under the law, you come under a curse. You come under the curse. God has his laws. But there is a different kind of a law they are trying to bring in under which you come under a curse. Another group is, they hear the word. But as soon as they hear the word, false preachers of grace come in. You understand, you need to realize the enemy operates everywhere to see that people don't receive life and change. Because the life of God is the light of man. And the life has power. Jesus said in him was life. And that life was the light of man. Okay? So he always will fight it. So false grace comes in. And it is deception. It appeals to our senses and our flesh. But what it actually does is it quietly takes you back to the world From which you were saved. And apostles constantly warned us about it. And one of the warnings of Jude is fight this, fight this, fight this. In Jude 3, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend, fight earnestly for the faith that is born of truth, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Reason? For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our Lord into lividness. Licensedness or sin. Tells you it is okay. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of them wants that. If you go through the episodes, the constant warning, one of the best warnings is given by Peter in Second Peter chapter 2. I'll read you eight verses, okay? But these, these false preachers of grace, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness As those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime, they are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Pastor Vijay and I was telling pastor that one of these days I need to preach to the pastors and give it titles about them, pastors by day and masters by night. And you don't know what a master is. A master is the one who will be there tonight at the 22 Freemason lodges and they will be doing the occult, calling on the demons and doing every unbelievable things of the flesh. But Sunday mornings, many of them are pastors. And they have signs, they have wonders, they have power, but not from God. And you listen to their doctrine. They are so fluent, so wonderful, but you don't see the catch. The catch is, it takes you back to the world from which God saved you. And that's what Peter is warning from those days. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is received the blackness of the darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, great swelling words of emptiness, they alert through the lust of the flesh, through lividness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves to corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome Their latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. Yeah, you can have verse 22 also. Like a pig goes back to its mud and the dog goes back to its vomit. They go back. And sometimes we don't realize. We we all that's why scripture says with itching ears, it says of them proverbs are true. Proverbs, a dog returns to its vomit, a sow that is washed goes back to wallowing in her mud. And God talks about these people in the Bible. They have itching ears and they gather for themselves teachers according to what they want. And there is no actual change, a righteous change in their lives because they cannot change. They cannot change. So be very, very careful because they appeal to your fleshly senses. Fleshly, they will never challenge you to come out and walk with God. When the first call of God from the time of Noah all the way till Revelation 19 is to come out of this world, they will never tell you that. They will never tell you that. And they will keep you quiet and calm in the walk you're going, which leads to perdition. So remember, when you hear, that's where the baptism comes. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and death to this world. Death to this world. This is how the order of salvation goes. If you miss that third building block, you still will go nowhere with God. The third building block. So they had to repent. They had to have faith towards God. They had to go to the Red Sea. And the format is all over there. And you need to look. And then you have the actual balance of what God talks about in John chapter 1 and verse 17. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the balance God expects from our life and in the church. Grace and truth. It has to be balanced. Understand this. The greatest power the devil, powers of darkness, wields over mankind is the power of deception. That is his power. The greatest power the enemy has is the power to deceive. And you need to realize this world system operates like that. How does the world system operate? Because it creates A set of people who are deceived, self-deceived. That's what James 1.22 is talking about. And the James Trinity is talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He says, you can be absolutely deceived yourself sitting in the church. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. If you just hear, but when you go out and you do exactly as the world is doing, he says, you are deceived. And that is the power of the devil. Either he will not allow you to hear, you listen to what he says, and you go his way. Or he allows you to hear, but he will not allow you to practice what you heard. So either way you are deceived, and that is the power of the enemy, self-deception. And that's how sin entered into this world, through Satan in the Garden of Eden. And what happened? They were deceived. Scripture says they were deceived. He was deceived. And as soon as they are deceived, you will realize now they are walking in deception. What is the deception in their walking in? The deception is represented by the fig leaves they are wearing. They are pretending to be something they are not. They are pretending to be covered when they are naked. Earlier they were naked and they were not. Cover- they were covered by God's glory. They were not ashamed. Now they are ashamed but they are pretending that they are covered. That is the deception of mankind from that day till today. Ah, what is to be deceived? We pretend to be something which we are not. That's how this entire world works. We pretend to be religious when we are not. We pretend to be spiritual when we are not. We pretend to be cool when we actually are a fool. Honestly, I talked to my kids in the Northeast when they get close to me. I said, you color your hair, you wear this thing. Can you sing one song which this band sing? Do you understand their ideology? No. So you're a fool. At least they are real you are a fool. You are imitating something without any idea what the original is like. You don't even know what the original is like. It is cheap imitations. Pretending. It's a pretense. Are you really that person? No, you are not really that. You don't even know what that person really is. Pretending to be rich when you are not. Outside lifestyle. But actually, when your credit card statements come, (laughs) pretending, or pretending to be poor when you are rich, because you don't want anybody asking you for money, (laughs) pretending to be meek when you are proud, you have to realize this entire world is built on deception. All built on... And the worst form of deception is religious deception. Religious deception. And our greatest defense, believers' greatest defense against deception is truth. That's why when it comes to the armor, the first thing God says is put on the belt of truth. That's your greatest defense against the truth. Bind yourself with the truth. This is what I really am. This is what I really am. And I will only be what I am. And allow God to slowly change. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. God said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you. Free. He says you don't have to be pretend to be free. You are actually free. Because the world is telling us to be free you need to be like this. So though we are not free inside, we try to be like something which we are not. Right? Let me ask this question. Why does Adam and Eve have to wear those fig leaves? To pretend. They yeah, something which they are not. And you see, all of our pretensions work until the living word comes into our midst. That's why when Jesus comes into the garden, they flee. They flee. Because there is no space in the living house of God for pretenders. There's no place. He will either convert you or he will kick you out. You will leave on your own. You won't be able to withstand it for too long. One of these two will happen. And thank God, he's changing us. I believe he's changing us. For truths to set us free, there has to be a dying, real, internal, first dying to this world of ideas. That is baptism in water. And a filling in first of God's truth, not power. Because the Holy Spirit cannot work without truth. It cannot. Represented by the two baptisms. Die to the world and be filled with the Spirit. That is what God is doing with Israel. Brought them out of Egypt and brought them to the Red Sea. And when they came out of the waters of baptism, God could destroy the world behind them. Read carefully what it says in Exodus fifteen nineteen, For these horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the water of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And also verse 21. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. I have to read very carefully what baptism does. Baptism did not, they going through the Red Sea did not destroy Egypt. It broke the power of Egypt. It doesn't destroy this world. When I go under my water and coming up, the world is still there. But the power of the world over me should be broken. It doesn't have power over me anymore. That's what happened. It is the horsemen and the chariots of Egypt that was destroyed. You see, Egypt was still there. But Egypt had lost its power to influence Israel anymore. Physically true, but they couldn't get it out of their heads. It was not Egypt that God destroyed. It was the powers of Egypt. When you and I believe and obey God in the waters of baptism, the power of this world to influence our thinking also should be broken. Should be broken. And for that, we have to hear... And follow God. So verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness. And found no water. And when they came to Mara, They could not drink the waters of Mara, For they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses. Saying what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Okay, When you come out of the water, you have to allow the Holy Spirit, represented here by Moses, to lead you. You have to allow. Because a lot of people, when they come out of the water, come out of their world of experiences, they have to be led to the bitter water. They have to be led, not to the teaching of the word, but they have to be led to the cross. It's the cross that heals them. So he said, showed him a tree. Showed him a tree. And when the tree was put into the water, the water became sweet. So you have to lead many people after the baptism. Bring them back to the cross. Bring them to the cross. And at the cross, healing flows in. Healing flows in. Because there is the ideas of Egypt. There are the powers of Egypt. Then there are the diseases of Egypt. You know what God says in verse 26? If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in this sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I have brought on the Egyptians. It's the first time God makes a promise, I am the Lord that healeth thee. There are spiritual sicknesses that are associated with Egypt. That is healed only at the cross. That's what is healed at the cross. So that's why Paul, when he preaches, he preaches, we preach Christ crucified. I glory in the cross. Because there are different things associated with Egypt. There are thinking, ideas. There are powers operating behind. And there are sicknesses of the soul. Not so much of the body, of the soul associated with Egypt. For us, soul. For them, body. Okay? Once the cross has worked in us, you see in verse 27, they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. The next stage, he makes us to enter into his rest. Come into my rest. And Hebrews 4 will talk about me was labor to end. God is immediately not going to say, come, 12 springs of water. Drink, eat, rest. It's a spiritual thing. Understand how spirit leads us, how God leads us. That's why we need to be aware of God. Always believe, Lord, the water is bitter, the road is difficult. But always remember, he's a father and all his ways are good. And he's doing something which we do not know, understand. But we will understand as we progress. And immediately after that in Exodus 16, we will see... As they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. That's 45 days later, second month, okay, after they departed. Today is 16th day after the first month, okay? Whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain portion. Immediately you will see, the flesh starts manifesting. Battles are different. Enemies are different. Okay. In Egypt, what they faced was the world system. In the wilderness, what they will face is the flesh represented by the Amalekites. In the promised land, they will face the powers that will oppose their destiny. I don't know where you are. The enemies are not the same. The enemies are not fought the same way if you eat manna in egypt it will not deliver you from the power of egypt if you go through baptism it is not going to deliver you from the power of amalek these are different things but these are all connected with the third stone okay foundation stone and you have to realize where am i in this journey You will see that desert journey or wilderness journey is defined by two things. One is manna and the other is water. Which represents the word of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. However deep the work the word of God does, the even more capacity you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is how it works. Because the word of God has to continue to work in us dig deeper and deeper and deeper but we also have to keep asking and receiving more and more of the holy spirit let me explain to you in illustrations i take a spoon okay i take a spoon and hold it hold it under a faucet which means a tap i open it how much water can come into the spoon very little i take this cup and hold it under the faucet it can take in more water I can take a bucket and keep it under the tap. It can hold even more. The faucet is the same. Okay? What is different is the volume of the vessel. We are all vessels, but volume is different. A volume is different depending upon how we have worked foundation one and two how deep a work we are allowing God to do in us is the way he can fill us. A lot of people are walking with the filling they got years back. Because after that, God hasn't been able to fill them. Allow God to do a deeper work in them. Don't confuse gift with volume. Gift is something. Anybody can, even a newborn believer who is born today can receive a gift. That's got nothing to do with debt. Filling of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit are two different things. And everything in the new covenant life, everything in the new covenant life is life in the Spirit. But the Spirit does not operate in vacuum. It needs the Word. And the Word needs the Spirit. The Spirit needs the Word and the Word needs the Spirit. Let me explain to you. Now when I am speaking to you, there are two things that is happening. One, my breath is coming and you are hearing it. If there is no breath, there is no word. If there is word, there is breath. That's why the Holy Spirit is called Ruah or breath and Jesus is called word. Okay, The Father speaks, the breath and the word starts functioning. Starts functioning. And you need to realize we need both. The spirit will not operate in the absence of the word and the word will not work in the absence of the spirit. Without the spirit this is just interesting reading. If you can hold on your attention. But when the spirit comes this is a book you cannot put down because it becomes life. Okay? That's how it works. Let me explain to you. Okay? Make it simple. Before the fall there was no law given. In the Garden of Eden, there's no law. Because there was perfect unity between God, man, and the rest of creation. Let's leave the devil out. Only one command was given. It's not a law. It was a command given. What? Don't eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat, you will. Work was fun. Work was actually fun. Work was fun. Fellowship was great. That was the way of life in the garden. We don't know how long it took before they fell, but it was a fantastic life. That's why it is called paradise. Work was fun. Fellowship was fun. Life was fun. The psalmist, if I'm right, David in Psalm 16 gives you a glimpse of what that life could have been like and what life will be like in eternity and what we can experience in the spirit in a little foretaste about it. 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Okay? That's what it was meant to be. Then the devil comes. The deceiver comes. And deception set in. And as usual, what he does is, uh, like, like you know, it's an often repeated example. There's the strength of a chain is only the weakest link. So there were two people, and he immediately went after the weaker one. Okay, I didn't say it, God said it. Okay, so don't get upset with me, God said. The woman, the weaker vessel. So he went after the weaker one. And first Timothy chapter two fourteen says very clearly, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. Okay? Okay. The weaker ones. Okay. The faster you fall into deception, you need to understand when you're corrected, oh my God, I'm really weak. What? Irrespective of your gender. That's how you understand your weakness. You actually spiritually are aware of your weakness because you realize you are able to get fooled by the enemy and the world system very easily. Okay? Now understand this. When I was born into this world, and when sin was born, first let us go to Adam and Eve. As soon as they sinned, their flesh came alive. Flesh it's the spiritual entity in me which the devil has access to. It came alive. And the spirit died. The point where God had access to died. But the point where the enemy has access to became alive. When I am spiritually born again, the point where God connects becomes alive. The flesh does not die. Don't you ever think the flesh dies. It does not die. So when sin entered, flesh came alive. The flesh is a spiritual entity. Spiritual entity. It has a mind of its own. It has acts of its own. Both. A mind, like we have thoughts and we do stuff. We think, we do. The flesh has a mind. The flesh has acts. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 5 to 7. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally, okay, that we may use the term fleshly minded, is death. Is death. So there is a fleshly mind. There is a carnal mind. The carnal mind will lead to carnal acts fleshly mind will lead to fleshly acts. People don't do it because they don't have the power or the freedom. But God does not judge you only first by what you do. He judges you by what you think. You see, the only reason you are not doing it is because you don't have the power. But if you had the power, you would do it. Galatians 5 verses 19 to 21. Now the works, that was the mind now the works of the flesh are evident with adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, hurts, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. It's a, it's a list that cannot be exhausted. So many are there. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as told you in the time past, those who practice such things will not. Inherit the kingdom of God. So there is the mind of the flesh. And there are the acts of the flesh. And the devil, through the carnal man, has created a world system. Which also offers joy and pleasure. In your presence, there is joy and pleasure. The only thing he will not put over there is evermore. Okay, he offers you joy and your pleasure. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin. Only problem with this, it always brings emptiness. Because it is empowered, not like in God's kingdom by love, it is empowered by lust. Empowered by lust. That's, that's why, you see, it can be anything. It can be Sex, never satisfies. Goes more and more and more. Eating, never satisfies. Still looking for new stuff and new stuff. Drinking, never satisfies. Glory, never satisfies. Until Mahendra Dhoni won yesterday's match, I thought these guys should retire. Why do they struggle to retire? Because once they retire, limelight is gone. See, a lot of people do good works. But if they are not recognized, they are very upset. Because their good works is empowered by the lust of self-recognition. It's not empowered by love. Understand. It's not just what you do. It's why you do it. What is empowering it? What is empowering it? Understand, the kingdom of God is empowered by selfless love of God. The kingdom of the devil is empowered by lust. You know, I was sitting with uh, Pastor Cyrus uh, just that morning, and when he was talking about how he lost the weight and all, I said, you know, out of the blue, I just, can I have it over there? I, uh, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 17. I just... Out of the blue, that was my morning reading. Out of the blue, I got it. And I said, Silas, just look at it, son. I said, you know what? I've read these portions and all so many. Sometimes it never falls into your eyes and into your mind, into your spirit until God highlights it. And I said, look at this, son. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. What do you eat for? For strength, not to satisfy and titillate your palliative senses and to immerse in that. What do you do? Why do you do the things that you do for strength? Why do you take a break? So that I can come back renewed in the spirit, not for entertainment. Blessed are those whose princes are noble because they know the purpose of everything in this earth. It is for strength to continue serving the God, not to indulge in itself. Understand that. What a worse? Because a lot of people go into sports. It is drunkenness. It is not exercise. A lot of people for rest. They can rest forever. Everything you need to realize. Why do you do it? Does it strengthen you even more to serve God? Or it is empowered by lust. Propelled by lust. And not by love. So understand how these baptisms work. Because everything was created by God. And every desire has to be motivated by love to serve God. Let me ask you this question. Why was the law given outside the garden? They were kicked out of the garden. They were kicked out of the garden because flesh has come in. That's why they kicked out of the garden. Flesh is alive. And God said, you leave them here. What they will do straight away, go and eat from the tree of life. Then we won't be able to destroy them either. We will not be able to save them. They will be like the devil. Unsavable. Eternal beings, unsavable. Now we are still savable. So he said, kick them out. Get them out of the garden before they partake of the tree of life. And then the law is given. Why was the log even outside the garden? Because of the flesh. Flesh has to be restricted. Otherwise it will self-destruct. So you will see Adam to Noah, self-destruct. Ten generations only, it's gone. Unrestricted flesh, every thought, every inclination of man is evil. And the acts are flowing, God has to destroy. That's the nature of the flesh. That's why the law, the purpose of the law is to restrict the flesh. So you will see after the flood, God will give laws to keep a society under control, a new society that is coming to keep the flesh under control. And the ultimate violation of my flesh, there are many, many violations of that flesh. You saw the acts of the flesh, but the ultimate violation of my flesh is to take the life of somebody. That's the ultimate violation of my flesh. I killed somebody. Therefore, the first law in the new creation after the flood, God says, is this Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. He says, You cannot allow murderers to live. Because if they live, they will corrupt and destroy flesh, all mankind. So capital punishment is instituted first time. Cain was not killed for killing Abel. But from here, capital punishment is instituted. Because that's the only way you can keep the flesh under control. And you will see in the history of uh, U.S. as they move from one coast to another. They had strange rules which you will never understand. Imagine um, Dr. Richard is uh, no, a rancher, small little nest as they call it, with his two cows and a horse. And he's moving down through the wilderness desert. I am somebody who comes quietly when he's sleeping and I steal his horse and I go. It's capital punishment. If you steal a man's horse, you die. Because they know without a horse, he will not survive the wilderness. He will die. So horse thief was always hung. Because it's equal to taking a man's life. Understand (laughs) principles of justice, where it comes from. Because that's the nature of our flesh. Our flesh. That is the law. Jesus, of course, is talking about something that is Primarily talking about the New Covenant, he takes it within. He says you can kill people with your tongue, their reputation, so they have nothing, they can do anything more because you used your tongue as a weapon of murder. No? So understand. But that's, good. that's under the New Covenant. So let's leave that. So you will see why the law is given. And the law in its codified form is finally given to Israel through Moses. Just because you left Israel... Egypt and God baptized in the Red Sea and the powers of Egypt are dead. That does mean your flesh is dead. Your flesh is not dead. That's why three days, oh, this water is very bitter. Oh, there is nothing to eat. Nobody is rejoicing over their salvation. The flesh is manifesting. Flesh is manifesting. And you have those incredible picture. Moses, the man of the spirit, up in the mountain in the presence of God and here flesh going haywire. Eat and drink and rose up to play. Flesh is reigning in the camp. You need to understand, the flesh hates the law. Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God. It hates the law of God. Now it's not talking about the ceremonial Levitical law. It is talking about the law of God. The Ten Commandments and related. Which is connected with the law of life. It hates the law of God. And it hates the law of God. Why? Romans 7.12 Therefore the law is holy. The commandment is holy. It is just and good. That's why the flesh hates it. Because the law is holy. And the flesh is not. The flesh is evil. The commandment is good. The commandment is just, and the commandment is holy, and the flesh hates the law. And we also must realize, the flesh not only hates the law, it also resists the spirit. So you have two pictures in the Bible. The flesh resisting the law, and the flesh resisting the spirit. In the Old Testament, the conflict was outside. You are like a criminal. Looking out always. Camera is working. Policeman is working. No. As long as you see the khaki uniform and a lati in his hand, you are a good kid. As long as your dad and mom is in the house or so the supervisor is there, you are good. But the minute you know the law is not there, just always outward. And the only thing that stops you from breaking the law is just the fear of the law, the consequences of the law. In the new covenant, the conflict is inside. It's not outside. Soon as you're born again, you have this battle beginning inside. In Galatians 5.17, the flesh, flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to each other. A battle begins inside. Like I said, flesh is what you and I got when we were born physically. Spirit is what you and I got when we were born spiritually. And flesh fights the spirit and the spirit fights the flesh. Flesh despises the true things of God. True things of? But it likes the benefits of the things of God. So if you hear prosperity and death to self, it will ignore prosperity. Prosperity plus death to self. Jesus will say, if any man loves his father, mother, wife, children, or even himself, he cannot be my disciple. He has to deny himself and pick up the cross and follow me. And those who followed like that, he says, any man who has lost a, B, C, D, you will receive. But if he had told this to them in the beginning, they would have left for a different reason. You getting it? If you hear prosperity and deaths to self, it will not accept. If you act, say reputation and deaths to self. You want a reputation? Yes. You will have a reputation in heaven. Nobody on earth will know you. Not interested. You want attention and death to yourself. The eyes of God is pinned on you. Nobody will look at you. On earth. I'll give you power. But you have to die to yourself. You need to understand. The flesh likes the things of God. The benefits of the things of God. But it doesn't like the message death to self. So flesh itself starts fighting the message. That's why in these last days, the greatest deception is they have taken the message of God and not made it about death to self and the exaltation of Christ. It is about the exaltation of the self. Let me ask you simple logical questions. Logical answers, not... I could be wrong. Let me ask you this question. Why did God curse the ground when sin entered? As soon as sin entered, flesh came into power. And the first thing he does is he curses the ground. He says, thorns and thistles it will. And by the the sweat of your brow. And you will have to toil and labor if you want to survive. You know why? (laughs) so that you would be so tired working to meet your needs, you will not have so much strength in your flesh to indulge in it. Let me ask you this question. Where does sin originate? Is it in the place where people are struggling to live or where people have plenty? Plenty. Isn't that what is said about and Gomorrah? This was a sin of your sister. Pride, fullness of bread, Plenty of time and was not willing well to any, so immediately went into the flesh. And all sins are always, we, have. let's, let's be blunt, you're not children. You hear about all this Kama Sutra and all this, where did it originate? In the, in the, in the, in the slums or in the palaces? The palaces. All they did, honestly, the kings of India, all they did was eat, drink and have sex. That's all they did. Because they had plenty. They had plenty, And that's why God cursed the ground. Cursed the ground. Because now the ground would be the source of our supply. Work which was earlier enjoyable, pleasurable because of the presence of God would now become toil and labor. And hard labor would give flesh lesser time and lesser thing to work out the desires that are evil. Let me ask you this question. We are living at one of the most fascinating times in human history. Technology has almost over, taken over everything. You can almost do anything. Yesterday I got a forward where you put your shirt in and it comes out ironed. Now honestly, honestly it comes out iron and folded. It goes iron and comes out folded. You think about it, you got technology that can replace almost any activity of man. Yet has man become morally better? Because he uses that time to indulge in evil. Technology is a time saver. But you can use it. The flesh will take it to the other side. Understand this, how it works. If we don't, we are fools. That's why we are talking about practice. These disciplines we learn during the five days of fasting. Because what you are learning is to put your flesh Under subjection. So that the more time God gives you. Because he prospers you in your soul. In other areas. You will use that for the things of God. And not for the things of this world. Like Solomon. Okay. So what is the way out? There is only one way out in the new covenant. Galatians 5 and verse 25. If we live in the spirit. Let us also walk in the spirit. God says. Spirit. Soul. Soul body. Don't write body or soul. It will not work. It will not work. You great intellectual men from the soul area have fallen. But he says the only way you can overcome is live in the spirit and walk in the spirit. Why? Walk in the spirit. In verse 16, scripture says, I say if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is offering you pleasure and joy. The spirit is offering you pleasure and joy. When you are walking in the spirit, this is so enjoyable, this loses its appeal. It loses its appeal. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of thee. You see, that's how Jesus, the most incredible person who walked on earth, could walk touch years unnoticed by any man because he knew his father approved of him. It was enough. And on the day his Baptist, his father says, this is my son who is well pleased. That's all he needed. He didn't need a commendation from any man. Because he was walking in the spirit. Because in the love, that's why you have, now you have Chris Lam coming in the west and you have churches which is bringing Islamic teaching into the churches, allowing imams to come and preach. And they bring stories from the Islamic tradition connected with Jesus, which is not there in the Bible. That Jesus made a clay bird into life, flew all kind of miracles associated with Jesus which is there in the Quran which is not there in the Bible at all because scripture is absolutely clear until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit he didn't do a single miracle but here it is flesh Jesus has been made into a man of flesh a child of flesh and he's is getting so much glory as a child doing miracle here and there all that attention which the flesh wants but here spirit doesn't want attention because the spirit has got all the attention it wants from God himself Let me ask you, it's not a very good uh, very good example, but in a way, it will understand. Let's say Priyanka led worship today, okay? And as Priyanka is going, each one of you go and tell Priyanka, you know Priyanka, you are not so good today, you are not so good today, you are not so good today, you are not so good, today. You are not good today. And you all said that, okay? And Priyanka is feeling a little down. And while going over there, I actually go tell Priyanka, Priyanka, you, today was your best. Do you know what actually happens? Because we are working in the parameters of a church, everything you said is cancelled. Because I said it is good. And she knows when it comes over there after God, she needs to please only one person. That's me. My approval. You need to understand that there is this desire which it is there in us. Actually, that actual desire comes from God. And the only approval you and I need is God's and not man's. That's what the Bible is talking about. If you live in the Spirit, you can overcome the flesh. Because in His right hand, there is joy and pleasures evermore. That's what it is talking about. You will not, Scripture says, fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Not only that, verse 18 added, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not also under the law. All the Levitical, all that law is broken over your life. You are not under the law. I will tell you simply, okay? There could be, you may be applying the letter of the Levitical law so many places which I do to safeguard myself because I know that law is good. Law is good. But I also know I am not bound by that law. I know those laws I can break in a situation Where the Spirit says, do it. Without breaking the law. Because I'm not bound by that law. I'm not under that law. But the law is good. (laughs) God says, don't eat this, don't drink this, don't eat this, don't drink this, don't eat this, and all the things He says. So. But you don't make it a law. (laughs) You are led by the Spirit. So you have this double impact. If you walk in the spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Two, if you walk in the spirit, you are not under the law. If I'm not under the law, I am fulfilling the law. I am not under condemnation. I'm not under condemnation. So you see, the law is given to restrict the flesh. But if you live and walk in the spirit, each day, one day at a time, God says, you are neither under the flesh nor under the law. D.L. Moody, if I am right, was once asked this, he asked this question to his class. He asked the student, how do I suck out all the air in the glass? His student said, you need to vacuum it out. He said, the problem with your answer is if I vacuum all the air out, the glass will break. Glass will break. He said, the solution is take the glass, put it under a faucet. Will you fill it with water? All the air goes. That's all you have to do. God says, you cannot suck the flesh out. No, you can't. (laughs) You cannot vacuum sin out. No. Is keep filling yourself with the spirit. And the lust automatically goes out. The power of sin automatically goes out. That's what God says continuously. He says in Ephesians, be filled continuously, filled with the Holy Spirit. That is why that third foundational block, the doctrine of of baptism. Live every day in the light of baptism. And Bible is very clear in Romans 6 verses 3 to 5 scripture says, Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. First he says, reckon yourself dead. That's the first thing. It's dead. You look in the mirror and you see a dead man. And then, honestly, that's how you do it. Every day you look in the mirror and say, I am dead. If I am not dead, Christ can't live. It's not that I am dead. It's not enough. Christ should live. Christ should live. These are practical steps which God is talking about. Every day you live in the light of the death of the old man. And every day you live in the light of the life of the new man who is wrought in Christ. Every day. And Jesus is actually teaching us practical steps how to do this. This is not neutral. This is an active faith. The practical steps to do it is that the flesh craves attention. And the problem with Christians is their flesh is a very religious flesh. It's not like the carnal flesh of the people in the world. It's a very religious flesh. So the religious flesh craves attention in religious things. That was the problem with the Pharisee. If a Pharisee was fasting, the whole community knew it. You could make it from his dress, you could make it from his hair, you could make it from his face, and you will say, oh, he's fasting. The the question they will ask him is, 3 days, 7 days, 21 days, 40 days. That is the only question they will ask the Pharisee, because everybody will know he's fasting, because he's fasting and he wants attention to his fast. If he doesn't get attention, then. If you ever get a Pharisee to pray, he will pray only in public. He'll never pray in private. He has no private prayer life. In public. If you ever find the Pharisee helping somebody, he will do it only in public. So it is this religious flesh. And God says the best way to live in the spirit is fast in secret, pray in secret, give in secret. You have to live. You are not just dying to the flesh where you don't give anybody, you never pray, you never fast. God is not saying that. He says you should die to the flesh. Don't give in public. Don't fast in public. Don't pray in public. We are talking about regular, not the church things. Don't do that in public. Because then it's your flesh that is alive. But you need to be living in the spirit. So he says, have a secret prayer life, regular Secret prayer life which nobody knows. A secret fasting life which nobody knows. And a consistent giving life. Nobody knows what happens. It is death knell to the flesh. That's what we looked at the first five days. The Pharisees, the flesh, you are so strong. The Bible is very clear about these things. Romans 8, verse 13 and 14. This is what scripture says. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. With all your prayer, with all your fasting, all your giving to the charity, you will die and go to hell. All these things will make not an iota of difference when you stand before God. Because you didn't do it for God. You didn't do it for you to walk in your salvation. You did it to get attention. You didn't do it. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So there is a putting of death of the works of the flesh and then there is a living towards God. It's not enough. Verse 14, you have to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit will lead you to action. One alone is not enough. You need the other one too. You need to be led by the Spirit. If you are not led by the Spirit... I'm honestly telling you, if any of you, by any chance, end up in hell, I hope not, (laughs) you'll meet meet a lot of religious folks there. Put to death and be led. What does it say? Die and live. This is not passive Christianity. This is active Christianity. To be led, there has to be this important facet built into our spiritual life. Importantly, As we come to the close a few more minutes I will take. Very important fast. Okay. Jesus fasted. Jesus prayed. Jesus gave. That was his lifestyle. His whole life was given. Father loved. He gave. He gave his son. And the son gave his entire life. He fasted. He prayed. He gave. But that's not what is important. What is important is the core of it. Jesus fasted like no man, prayed like no man, gave like no man. But what marked him out is not his prayer life, or his fasting life, or his giving life. It was the surrender in it. That is the key. From the beginning, when he comes into the world, till his end, there is one thing that marks his life. Thy will be done. That is what marked his life. Because a lot of people have fasted. A lot of people have prayed without attention. A lot of people have given also. But there is no surrender to the will of God. If you have to be led by the Spirit, the first thing God wants is surrender. Not obedience. We always think of surrender and obedience as the same thing. No. No. First thing he wants is surrender. Because you obey without surrendering, you will only obey in the things which you like and you agree with. When you surrender, God can tell you anything. God can tell you anything. Son, go this day. Today I'm sending you a 15,000 crowd. Son, go this way. Today you're just getting an old woman. That's a surrendered life. That's not a, not just an obedient life. Rich man calls, here I will come. Poor man calls, here I come. It's absolute surrender. That's not obedience. Obedience should come in our life after surrender. They go together, but they are not the same. Because very rarely does God speak consistently to an unsurrendered soul. That's why the exhortation in Romans 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Surrender. When you are surrendered, you will do whatever God says. When you are obedient, you will only do what God says and what you like. You won't do everything that God says. When he came to Jesus, God's own son, he was first absolutely, totally surrendered. And he did everything the father said. And therefore the father could fill him with the spirit, which means power. That for 30 years he could remain incognito, unknown. Because that's what the father wanted. What is? What do you want me to do, father? Stay unknown for 30 years. Fine. Not preach? No preach. Maxima, if you go to a synagogue, somebody tells you to read the scroll, scroll, but don't make any preaching over it. I am fulfilled and all. That I will tell you when to say that. That's all he did. Imagine the living word. All power, the creator of this universe, 30 years. Absolutely surrendered. That is how God will have a rabbinate. They will surrender. Even when nothing is happening. When you are surrendered, you will wait. You will be still. Even when nothing is happening. You will see many will obey only when there is action. But the truly surrendered will obey even when there is no action. Therefore, both these baptisms have to be true. I am absolutely dead to self and absolutely alive to the will of God. Absolutely. That's how God will have a remnant. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. But, what you have to see is that God has His time. 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. There's no voice. No prophetic voice. You have to remember, the voice of God remains true even in the silence of God. God. When was the last time God spoke? 400 years ago. How are you walking? By what God spoke 400 years ago. You are still surrendered to the voice of God you heard 400 years ago. Imagine a generation after that God still gets three or four people. Can you? We? we want to hear every day. But God says, if you don't hear Will you go by what you have heard? Do you see Simeon waiting for the consolation of Israel? Do you see prophetess Anna waiting for the redemption of Israel? When did you hear that? (laughs) Long time ago. Did you see Luke 2.21? On the eighth day, when it was? And it was? It was time. What does the law say? Eighth day. When was the law given? Around 1500 years ago. What are you doing? Going by what God spoke. 1500 years ago. On the eighth day. when it was time. According to what God has spoken. 400 years of silence. But he has spoken before that. And I will still go by that. I'm surrendered to his will. When it was time. When it was time. Who gave this time to circumcise? You gave. When did you give it? Through Moses. What did you say? Eighth day. Verse 22-23. And when the days of purification according to the law of Moses was completed, they brought. How many days? 40 days now. Who gave this law of purification? You gave. When did you give? 1500 years ago. And I'm still alive to that. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the... You see? Simple people. They didn't get an attitude, I have birthed the Christ. Angel Gabriel came and told me, I don't need to keep the law anymore. They said, no. No. And verse 39? When they have performed all things, all things, according to the law of the Lord. Do you see, even in the silence of God, can we do everything That is required of us by God. Because we know so much today. We know a lot of things that God requires of us. The question is, God did not speak to me yesterday. He didn't speak to me today. He doesn't speak to you or me tomorrow. Still, can we continue doing what he has already spoken? Are we surrendered? Is the third block in our foundations valid. You see, they were all therefore led by the Holy Spirit. Even in the old covenant or transition age. Because they were surrendered. Spiritually they were baptized people. They were led by the Holy Spirit. You look at scripture. Just look at scripture. Luke chapter 2. Quickly finish. And behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And? Responding. And? It had been revealed to him by? The Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And verse 27, so he came by the Spirit. Three times in three verses, he was led by the Spirit. And he lived in the Spirit. And he walked in the Spirit. Luke 1.15, so he will be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. There is a separation, there is a subsequent filling. 135. Mary. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. God had people upon whom the Holy Spirit could work because they were true to the word they had heard. 141. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in a womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are these great people? No, they are simple people. Uh, Zachariah, uh, Elizabeth. A Mary, a John in the womb, and one sixty-seven. And now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. And finally, Luke two twenty-nine. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. He's so content with the life he has led. He says, "Now, mission accomplished. I'm ready to go." I'm ready to go. can depart. Let me go. That's a question God is asking. Can God, the Holy Spirit, lead us in silence? Can he lead us in action? Because if you are led by the Spirit, there is no condemnation. There is only consolation and redemption. No consolation. No condemnation. That is the life in the spirit. Why I brought this up is because that's the promise. If you have a promise, you have to prepare yourself to receive the promise. Whether you believe that promise or not is practically displayed before God in your secret life with God. Where you're consciously not allowing the flesh to do the things which the flesh wants to do. Even good things. But you're consciously doing the things where God gets the glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this evening we just come to you once again, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, Father, you have given your promise. We believe, Lord. And I pray every one of your children sitting here will learn to obey you in silence and also learn to obey you in action so that, oh, Father, our lives will be a testimony of you And not us. We don't want any glory, Lord. Even a forward will be a forward. No false glory. No false reputation. Nothing. Even for what we have done, we don't want a reputation. We want you to have the glory. You have kept us quiet and hidden for 10 years. And if things change in this 11th year, and you make us go public, I pray you protect us. I pray, Lord, that if you make that happen, I pray, Lord, it is not us who goes public. It is you who goes public. Because in us, we have nothing. But in you, we have everything. Let it be about you, Lord. God us. Guard our hearts, our souls, our minds. Help us to live in the light of the three, third foundational block, Lord. Our baptism in water and our baptism in spirit are both real each day. Thank you, Lord. You brought all your children safely. Now as they go back, reach us all safely, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen.